I'd like to welcome the visitors we have here today, and uh, I pray that they will feel at home here in this church, and that the word of the Lord will bring a message for each and every one of us. That's one of the beauties of the Bible, one of them, that we both can read the same text, and God will have a message in it that will be different uh, for you and for me, it will be according to our needs. And uh, not only we can read the same text and be blessed differently in different ways, but as we read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we learn more and we, we receive a message that is contemporary, that is absolutely necessary for these days and applicable to our particular needs and our particular reality. So uh, thank God that today we are going to talk about uh, the third upper room experience. Uh, let's see if we can remember. Four weeks ago, I spoke for the first time on the upper room experience. And do you remember which uh, Bible story we studied that day? Pardon me? What was that? Was Elijah. I heard someone say Elijah. Yes. Was Elijah uh, and the son of the widow of Zarephath, right? Because Elijah went upstairs with the boy, and the boy was revived. And uh, the second upper room experience we studied just a couple weeks ago was the one of the Last Supper. Jesus with the disciples, Jesus told the disciples to go enter the city, follow a man who had a pitcher of water on his shoulder, and follow him. And he went into a home, uh, a home, a house, and the disciples went there and asked the master of the house, where there is a room here where the master can have uh, Passover with his disciples. And they were uh, led up to the upper room. And the upper room was there all furnished, and they prepared it for the Passover meal. And there, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, the communion service. And today we are going to talk about the last uh, of these three in the series, Upper Room Experiences. But before we do that, the one that has to do with the text, of course, that was read by Ariana. And before we do that, please join me in prayer as we ask God's direction for this message. Please bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, what a privilege to be here in your presence. What a privilege to be here with our brothers and sisters as we study your word, as we listen to this message. And I only pray, Lord, that it will come directly from your throne of grace and bless each and every one of us. Father, here is your people. We all have different needs. We all came here this morning, Lord, seeking and searching and longing for the refreshing waters of the gospel. That, Lord, we may leave this place today feeling refreshed, feeling encouraged, feeling strengthened to continue our lives and our challenges here on earth. Lord, use me as your instrument. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. May the blood of Jesus and his righteousness cover me now. May every word that will be said here, Lord, represent exactly your will and your desire for us today. And bless each and every worshiper here. May we have our minds and hearts open 
to listen to your message. I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So there was a story, a story is told of a, of a defendant that was in the courtroom. He had been accused of murder. And his lawyer was trying everything that was possible to try to save him. But he saw that uh, apparently he was going to be convicted. And he tried everything he could. And then, uh, even though all evidence pointed to that man, that defendant, being the one who had murdered the person, there was no corpse. And so it made the investigation a little more difficult. But the lawyer was feeling that there was no way that he was going to be condemned. And so as a last-minute resource, uh, the, the lawyer resorted to a trickery. And he said, uh, this is not fair. In one minute... You will look to the door and you will see the person presumed dead in this case. You will see that person come through those doors. And he looked on to the door. And he saw that all the jurors were kind of confused. And they all looked on as well. And so the jury was clearly stunned and confused. But a minute went by and nothing happened. And so the lawyer said, you see... You all looked onto the door. So I put it to you that there is reasonable uh, doubt whether or not someone has been killed, in fact. And because of that, I request that you return a verdict of not guilty. And so the jury was confused and they decided to retire to deliberate. A few minutes later, they came back. And the jury uh, foreman said that they were returning a verdict of guilty. And the lawyer said, how is this possible? You must have had some doubt because you all looked on. You all looked to the door in anticipation. And the jury foreman said, yes, it is true that we all looked on, but we noticed that your client didn't. And so therefore we came with this verdict. But you see, when you say something that whether or not it is true, it will cause some impression in people's minds. And they may be absolutely certain of something, but once you say the opposite, it will cause them to doubt. And doubt can be not only intimidating, doubt can be crushing, doubt can be even crippling, it can be paralyzing. Think of this, for example. Imagine a couple that lives very, very happily. And one day a friend comes to the, to the wife and says, You know, I found out that your husband is having an affair. Now this is a lie. There was no affair whatsoever. But there is no way the wife will not start to think, Is this possible? This doesn't seem, po seem possible at all. But doubt will start to corrode her thoughts. Imagine a student that is an A student. He's always in his upper 90s. is in his hundreds. And one day after a difficult test where the student again excelled, a colleague comes, a classmate comes to the teacher, teachers and, and says, You know, I saw so-and-so cheating today. 
And that has never happened. It was a lie. And the teacher trusts that student, knows that he is a, a student that he's there always on time, does his homework, is always good on the exams, but the teacher will at the very least call the student for a conversation. Imagine that you have a friend and you have a good relationship with a friend, but one day someone comes up to you and says, you know, I heard that person saying horrible things about, about you. They may be nice to you in front of you, but behind your back, you don't know what they say about you. No, this is all a lie. It never happened. But you start to think when that person comes to you saying nice things to you, you start to think, hmm, how two-faced this person is. Because doubt, you know, as you, as you give room to doubt, it starts to grow bigger and bigger in your mind, and you start to question the sincerity of people. Now, imagine how much bad doubt can do. Because most people, when told a lie, they will tend to have doubts about the truth. Most people, when they are told a lie, even though they have believed the truth all the time, they will start to have questions about the truth. But there is also the opposite. There are people who, even though they are being told the truth, they don't believe it. They doubt it. And this is what happened here in the story of Thomas and the other disciples. Thomas was told the truth because the Lord did appear to the disciples when Thomas was not with them. But Thomas, Thomas chose not to believe the truth. He, he, he was not willing to believe that. And so let's go back to the text. And let's read again John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. And let's see how this all transpired. John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. The Bible says, Now Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them, Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach, reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, according to the Gospels, as you get information from each one of the four Gospels and you put them together, we understand that Jesus on the day he rose was the first day of the week. 
that same evening, later on that day, that same evening, he appeared to the disciples in the upper room, in the same upper room where they were, where they had the Lord's Supper a few days before. So Jesus appeared to them there that same evening of the first day of the week when he rose from the dead. Now the Bible says then that Thomas was not with them. And so there were only 10 of them because Thomas was not there and Judas had already died. And so Jesus appeared, Thomas was not there, but sometime during the week the disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, wait, 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 wait a minute. Unless I see the, the prints of the nails in his hands, and unless I'm able to reach and put my finger in there, unless I touch his side, I will not believe him. I will not believe you. I will not believe that he actually appeared to you. Then the Bible says that eight days later, eight days after the first encounter, Jesus appeared again. And we have all reason to believe that they were once again in that same very upper room there. And they were there and the doors were shut and Jesus appeared right in the midst of them. Miraculously, the door didn't open, Jesus appeared right there. And the first thing that Jesus says was what? Peace be with you, peace be unto you. And you see friends, this peace be unto you, this peace be with you, is said a couple times, a few times just in this chapter. And that's the first thing that Jesus says. And when you are with Jesus, there is no reason why you shouldn't be in peace. Therefore, if you are not in peace, you are not fully trusting in Him. Because even though we live in this world where things are so difficult, and you just look around and you see all sorts of challenges... I am 53 years old, as you may know. I look at the world today, it is a quite different world from the one I grew up in. And I guess if you are older than me, you may, you may think you know even more. How different it is from the, the world you were raised. And that's the reality we live. We live in a world so filled with turmoil. But I'm not talking only about the wars that we see around us. And there are many of them uh, taking place right now. I remember, for, for, for instance, the one taking place right now in India, between India and Pakistan. There are many other conflicts, there are many other wars taking place now of a greater or lesser extent. But that's not the only thing I'm talking about, peace in that sense. I'm talking about inner peace. I'm talking about peace of mind. Jesus is your passport to peace. Jesus, when you're next to him, he's the, he's the ticket to your peace. Peace of mind, so that even though a thousand may fall or ten thousand may fall next to you, you will not be shaken. You will not be moved. And that's the peace of mind that only Jesus can give. Now this may seem difficult. Pastor, it's, it's impossible. There are so many things that stress me out. Yes, Jesus said you will have tribulation in this world. He never said it would be easy. But he said, be of good cheer. I overcame and you can overcome as well. And so Jesus says, peace be unto you. And he goes on, even though from the Bible record, 
there is no, there is no indication that Jesus had, uh, had heard anything from the disciples because after the first encounter, Jesus appears now, eight days later, no one told him, told him anything. No one, uh, clued him in about anything. But Jesus goes and talks to Thomas saying, Thomas, Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Do not be faithless, but believe. Do not choose, choose not to believe, but choose to believe. And so in these words of Jesus, I noticed that Jesus was compassionate to Thomas. Even though there was enough evidence, there was plenty of evidence for Thomas to believe that Jesus had indeed appeared to the disciples. Jesus was still compassionate, merciful toward him and said, here I am, look at the prints in my hands. Look at my side, come here, reach to me. And then Jesus says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Which leads me to understand that the, the, whether you're going to be a believing Christian or a non-believing person, it's up to you. It is your choice. Because Jesus has done everything already. Jesus has died on the cross. He came. He chose to come and be born of a woman in human form and live here and go through everything he went. But now Jesus turns to you and says, all you have to do is to believe. Either you believe or you don't, but do not be unbelieving. Choose life and believe. And so it is our choice. It may be difficult, but it is our choice. You have to make this choice. And if you make this choice, it becomes easy. Because if Jesus is asking you that, Jesus is also promising that He's going to help you all the way through. And if you choose to believe, as Thomas did, if you choose to believe as Thomas did, your reaction is going to be, My Lord and my God. This is what the Bible says in the next verse. That's what Thomas said. As Jesus told him, Look at this. Come here. Reach. Touch me. Thomas answered and said in verse 28, My Lord and my God. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? That Jesus is God, I'm absolutely convinced. And you are as well. That Jesus is the Creator, you know, because the Bible says so. That Jesus is the Word. The Bible is clear about that. That from the mouth of Jesus comes out a sharp sword, a two-edged sword. The Bible is clear about that. But the question that remains is, are you a believer? And have you chosen to make Jesus the Lord of your life and not only your Savior? Because Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. But He can only be your Lord if you allow Him to. He can only be your Savior and Lord if you choose so. Jesus goes on to say, Thomas, you believed because you saw me. Blessed are those who have not seen me, but will still believe. You see, my friends, if you want to find reason to doubt, you will find it. 
If you want to find reason to question things, you will always find it. But if you want to, f to find reasons to believe, there are plenty of them. If you want to find reasons to believe, there is not a shortage of reasons to believe in God. And so, choose life. Choose to believe. Be believing. Do not be unbelieving. That's the message of the Bible. You see, in life, you may be, uh, you may be steering the ship or the boat of your life. And maybe you look around and you see a safe spot where you can berth your ship or you can dock your boat. And you come, but unless you really moor it or unless you really anchor it, soon enough, soon enough, you hear different things. And you're going to be finding yourself beating against the rocks and being drifted away back into the sea of life. And so it's not only finding the truth, but believing it with all your heart. And not giving any room to questions. Not giving any room to doubt. Questions should be asked, but you should never doubt the truth of the Bible and the truth of God. You see many people like Thomas, they think, well, if I have enough tangible proof, I must be able to touch it. I must be able to see it. Unless I have all that evidence... I'm not trusting. I'm not believing. Well, let me tell you this. When you go home today, if you really want to see something, if you really want to touch something so you can say, this is my Lord and God, well, go home today and do this. But do this for real. Go and, and, and look in the mirror. I know you, you probably looked in the mirror this morning, right? To make sure your hair was in place, to make sure everything was looking good. But go back today in the mirror. And look in the mirror and look at yourself. Now some people may not be that happy with the, how their nose is. Or maybe uh, uh, that today they have less hair than they had a few years ago. The hairs are getting gray or this or that. But look in your own eyes and see how beautiful is this, this machinery that God has put together. That you have been wonderfully made. You just have to look in the mirror to see that God does exist. That He is real and that He loves you. But you want to touch something, go outside today. And you can touch the snow that has fallen. Maybe today there are not flowers around, there are not leaves, but you can touch the trees themselves. You can feel the bark that protects the trunk of the tree. And you look at the tree and you sense it. And you see that in there somehow, mysteriously, there is life and beauty dormant there. That soon enough, God will bring it all back to life. Leaf, flower, fruit. Miraculously. You just have to see. You just have to touch. There is plenty. And soon enough, there will be the waters running back again. And you can feel the waters and you can touch the flowers you can sense their perfume. You can see all this beauty. If you want to see and if you want to touch, there is plenty for you to do that. But choose to be believing. Choose to believe that. Only look and live. We dishonor God when we do not go forth from the dark cellar of doubts into the upper chamber of hope and faith. When the light shines in all its brightness. 
Let's take hold on Jesus Christ by the mighty hand of faith. No longer, I say, no longer cultivate your doubts by expressing them and pouring them into other minds. Don't do this. Don't sow the seeds of doubt. Rather, talk faith. Live faith. Cultivate love to God. Evidence to the world all that Jesus is to you. Magnify His holy name. Tell of His goodness. Talk of His mercy. And tell of His power. Do not give room to doubt. Do not sow the seeds of doubt in other people's minds. I'm going to say something serious here. And I'm saying this first to me. And I'm saying this to all of us here. There was one being that was beautiful and handsome. That was perfect in all his ways. Who had direct access to the throne of God. And at some point, for some reason, we we can't quite understand. Some different thoughts started to develop in his mind. And he came to the point where he was questioning. He was doubting God's character. Not only he was questioning that for himself. But he went around sowing the seeds of discord. Sowing the seeds of doubt into the other angels minds. And whenever we start doing that. We are not doing the work of Jesus. We are not doing the work of God. But the work of God's enemy. Rather talk faith. Live faith and all those things will subside. There's this poem here that was quoted in the uh, encyclopedia of 7,700 illustrations. uh, Signs of the Times by Paul Paul Tan. This is uh, an Asian pastor uh, who lived here in North America. And this poem uh, in this book of illustrations goes like this. Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes. Faith answers I. Maybe my friend you find yourself to be drowning in the sea of doubts. Maybe you find yourself to be drowning in the sea of unbelief. And Jesus says to you, be not faithless, but believe. Maybe you have your mind steeped in unbelief. Maybe you have your mind steeped in doubts. Jesus comes to you and says, do not be unbelieving, but believe. Maybe your vision is clouded. Your mind is numbed by unbelief. Jesus comes to you and says, Do not be unbelieving. Choose to believe. It is up to you to make this choice. Maybe you find yourself in emotional gloom. Each one of us has a different story and background. Maybe you have been around Jesus. Maybe you have been around church. Maybe you've been around church people, but you still find yourself looking over your shoulder all the time. Maybe like Thomas, you've known Jesus, you've met him, you've followed him. But for some reason, because of your doubts, you see yourself still on the fringes. Even so, Jesus comes to you today and he says, 
Come here. Come closer. See my hands. Touch my side. Believe. Choose to believe. Stretch out your hand and by faith touch the hand of Jesus. Lift up your voice even if it's a trembling voice and say, My Lord and my God, I believe you. I choose to believe. But I'll say this, I truly, I firmly believe that there are people here today, whether church members or non-members, whether you've been already baptized or not, there are people who sincerely, passionately love Jesus. But nevertheless, they may be allowing doubt to creep into their minds, they may be allowing doubt to dominate their thoughts. And the only word I have to you today, for you today is, be not faithless. Do not be unbelieving. Choose to believe. Be believing. Believe. Believe. For whosoever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now many people like Thomas are waiting so that all cause for doubt be removed. If I see this, if I touch that, if I see something else, if I touch something else, then I will believe. Oh, let me tell you, if you're waiting to see all cause for doubt removed, you're going to be waiting a long time. That's never going to happen. In this world, in this imperfect world, there will always be reason for doubt. Always. And those, and those who wait for, for, for that would gradually, will gradually become confirmed in their unbelief. Because the longer you give room to doubt, the longer you give room to unbelief, the more grounded and sedimented will be in the unbelief. There are people who are always looking on the dark side. There are people who are always complaining. And that's a dangerous path to walk on. Whoever sows the seeds of doubt will reap a harvest of doubt. Whoever sows the seed of faith of truth will always reap faith and truth. And if there is a time when faith and confidence are most needed. It is now. It is today. One day John Wesley. You remember John Wesley. The, the, the Protestant reformer. Uh, later in the 17th, 18th century. John Wesley one day was visiting a, a member of his congregation in a farm. And they're walking together. And this farmer, he said, you know, pastor, I am so despondent. I don't know how I can cope with all these difficulties. I don't know how I can, I can trust God in the midst of all that I'm going through. I can't see, I can't see anything because there is so much behind me, so many challenges. And John Wesley, for a second, didn't know exactly what to do. But they were walking and, and John Wesley saw a cow that was looking over a small stone wall like this. And John Wesley turned to the man and said, Do you know why the cow is looking over the stone wall? And the man said, I don't, I don't really. And Wesley said, Well, it's because she can't see through it. So she's looking over it. And that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do when there are many problems, when there are many challenges before you. Just look over that. 
look up. You will never be able to look through. But through faith in Jesus, you can look up. And He can take you over all those difficult circumstances. But friends, the word of Jesus to Thomas in that uh, last upper room experience we've been studying. There, were, there are many other upper room experiences in the Bible. But the message of Jesus was this. Do not be unbelieving, be believing. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And so if Jesus is your Lord and your God, I'd like to invite you to join me in saying, my Lord and my God. Say with me, my Lord and my God. If you are ready to declare today and forever that Jesus is not only your Savior, but the Lord of your life, please say with me, my Lord and my God. If you are not even a member of this church, but you feel that the Lord is calling you, and you feel that there is no other way than Jesus for eternal life, I invite you to join us all. And please say again with me, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, choose to be a believer and not an unbeliever. Now, the last words of Jesus were these. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they have believed. And that's you and me. We have not personally seen the hands of Jesus. But we have enough evidence in the Bible. We have enough evidence in the lives of those around us. We have enough evidence in our own lives. Just this week I, I witnessed here at prayer meeting a deliverance that God gave me on Monday. When I was driving through the snow. And you have enough evidence in your life that you can see, you can touch. And you have experience to have this confidence and this trust in Him. And this is my appeal to you. That nothing will move you. But that you will proclaim, my Lord and my God, I trust you. Amen. Amen.